the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives, sponsored by RC Auto, me and myrc.com. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Good morning, everyone, or good evening, whenever this is. It airs at 5.30, and it is, it is a great day to be with you on the Rescuers radio show. Um, my guest today I'm really excited about. Uh, Ginger Sykes Torres is we're going to be talking everything uh, Navajo Nation and Provid 19 and uh, the life of Ginger Sykes Torres. Good morning, Ginger. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. So, Thanks for having me on today. Oh, I'm so excited that we could get this together. Uh, I really want to start off. I always like our our audience, our listeners, to find a little bit about who we're interviewing and why we're interviewing you. And so, let's start off with uh, where you came from. You came, you were you were from Tuba City, right? Is that where you were born? Yes. Yeah, so I um I was born in Tuba City, and um I grew up in Mesa, Arizona. I went to Westwood High School in Mesa. And then I went off to college at Stanford University um, and have subsequently moved back here to live in Phoenix and raise my family here. If you don't mind my asking, what was your study at Stanford? So at Stanford, my degree was called Earth System Science. And so it was a compilation of environmental science and policy classes. It was one of the largest majors you could do as an undergraduate at Stanford. Um, so I basically took every baseline science class there was offered <laughs> and um, and then, yeah, and then mixed the policy on top of that. So it was a really interesting degree. And it was back back when I graduated, it was one of the only kind of like that in the country. Now there's subsequently a lot more. Wow. Like now, that. when you say policy, you're talking about government policy? Yeah. So government policy, corporate policy and okay. just, you know, however people or um individuals or corporations or governments decide to, um, you know, make their policies that affect the environment or that can, that, that can affect the corporation themselves too. Well, somewhere in between being born in Tuba city and Stanford, you are, are a reigning champion hoop dancer. Is that not correct? Yeah, so when I was in um, probably like junior high school, I had a relative that hoop danced, and I thought that it looked like a lot of fun, and I wanted to try doing it, and I had never done um, native dance being raised in kind of like an urban center area. It was hard to 
connect to like native culture. And so, um, but I wanted to try hoop dancing. So he offered to teach me. And then he also served as my mentor and, um, his name is Robert Alley, and he is from the Oto Missouri tribe. And so it's an intertribal dance. So even though I'm Navajo, he was still willing to teach me and teach me the ways of the dance. And um, I had done gymnastics and um, like classical dance up until that point in, in junior high and high school. And so I kind of took to dancing very quickly and I, I, I learned it very quickly and I became proficient at it very quickly. <laughs> and so um, he would, he would invite me. So he had a, like a dance group that danced around Phoenix at various functions and events. And so he would ask me to come and do the hoop dance for performance. So I got a lot of practice. And then he um, also let me know about this world championship hoop dance competition that's held every year at the Herd Museum. So um, he offered to sing for me at the competition. You can bring your own singer. And so he went with me the first year and my dance was a little different because there weren't a lot of women dancing at that time i was probably one of only maybe i maybe was the only woman that year i'm not sure um but if there was others there's probably like two or three more at the most um but i so and and also my dance was a little bit different than other hoop dancers at the time too because i did incorporate some of that dance and gymnastics that i already knew into it and so um the crowd really liked it the judges were a little caught off guard by it at that time (laughs) (laughs) But there was a discussion of like what, you know, what is appropriate in hoop dancing, like traditional native hoop dancing and how can, you know, how can that be merged with what Ginger is doing and that type of thing. And so I kept at it. And then the next year I came back and I, you know, made my steps a little bit more traditional, integrated the native or the modern dance, like a little bit better into like the native um, traditional steps. And so um, I eventually won when I was, I think I was 17, I won the, the, teenage division of the world championship hoop dance competition at the herd museum and i was the first female to win any of the competitions wow, at the herd museum nice. so it was a real um it was, one, it was an accomplishment accomplishment that i've been proud of for a long time and then after that i went off to stanford and i continued to dance um just not competitive competitively but i would dance for powwows dance for events i traveled to japan several times to dance there um for like intercultural exchanges and that type of thing to um to share like the navajo culture with um other you know other cultures around the world so i'm going to i'm going to ask you something that i don't know if you're if you remember roy track do you remember that name? roy track Uh you're too young (laughs) roy track (laughs) uh had the america's only live TV show on Channel 3 here in Phoenix okay. uh, for 35 years. Okay. And he passed away. Uh, I was running the State Broadcast Association, and we were inducting Roy into our Hall of Fame. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away six months before the ceremony. And oh, wow. we, uh, I worked with uh, a couple of um, people that know their way around Native uh, culture, and met with his son and his mother and uh, a lady by the name of Linda White Wolf. I don't know if you know her. She used to work for Channel 7 here in town. Okay. And they helped me understand that we needed uh, an honor group, uh, mm-hmm. uh, dr- you know, drums and, and voice 
to honor him when he's introduced into the Hall of Fame. So one of his favorite groups is for camp from Kansas City, I think, if I remember right, and their name is Blue Thunder. Okay. And we had them come in, and uh, so we actually had, when he was inducted into the Broadcast Hall of Fame, we had uh, the music there as well, and it was really powerful. Yeah. And I just, I was just curious whether you had ever heard about that TV show or not, but it was, uh, it's very historic, and uh, he's, you know, he's been gone now for quite a while, uh, mm-hmm. and the radio show, of course, ended uh, as well. Uh, no one picked up that banner and and kept it going, unfortunately. But uh, yeah. But uh, and speaking of. Well, actually, I, I I did look into your Facebook page and I saw some of the photos of your your dance, the hoop dancing. It's beautiful. It's very yeah. it's very athletic and very artistic at the same time. Yeah, and it's it's been um it's been a good way to stay in shape. I'm also a mom of three kids, <laughs> and so it is a very athletic and aerobic dance, and so it's been a good motivation to keep dancing you know, in the midst of having three young kids. Um, and now I found ways to teach my own kids how to hoop dance. And um, recently, right before the the quarantine started, we had started a partnership with Ballet Arizona here in Phoenix and starting a hoop dance class there that I was teaching to the youth in the community. It was a free hoop dance class. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep it going once we're able to go and um, be back together in classes again. <laughs> well, I would like to switch gears here, and I, and I just I just love talking to people about their history, and and, it's, and you have such a beautiful history and 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 uh, involved in the culture. You are your your science and policy, all of that part of you. Uh, that that explains why you are on the City of Phoenix Environmental Policy Committee. Is that correct? Yes. So when we moved back to Phoenix, my my main goal was to be able to stay home with some of my young kids at the time and take care of them and be there for them while they're little and, you know, not miss that time in their lives because it it happens so fast. Um, But I've also found ways to stay involved in the community, um, use my professional background to help our city. And so that's um, why I'm really excited to be involved in the Environmental Commission. I will also be working um, on the mayor's advisory board for the Rio Salado redevelopment. And so we're working on ways to um, kind of bring that corridor back to life and, you know, get, get the riverfront nice again. Um, Yeah. So I I, I think those are good ways to stay professionally involved, but also, you know, use, use what I can to help my city. (laughs) Well, we're going to jump in and talk about COVID-19 and the Navajo uh, nation, but we're going to do that in 60 seconds. One of my greatest joys in life has been obtaining a vehicle from RC Auto. Yes, I said a joy in reference to buying or leasing a vehicle. Instead of walking into a car dealership lot and facing a horde of vultures waiting for you, you are invited into a calm, friendly office where you will be asked things like, what have you been driving? What are you looking for? What is your budget? That's when the car buying or leasing experience changes into an easy educational experience. RC Auto is not a typical car or truck dealership, so they have the advantage of seeking different brands like Toyota, Lexus, Subaru, and more from a broad selection from sources that you never have to visit or arm wrestle a salesperson for. 
The joy is not being sold, but educated into the right decision for you. For your next vehicle, go to RC Auto, where it's more than just an exchange of keys. It's a relationship. Make an appointment today at meandmyrc.com. Okay, I'm back. Um, so, I've learned in what I've been reading and studying up before this interview, Ginger, that unfortunately the Navajo Nation ranks third in the country per capita for COVID-19 infections, behind only New Jersey and New York. And this is a rate seven times higher than that of the rest of Arizona's population. Yeah, and I think that um, that rate may have recently surpassed the state of New York and New Jersey's um, wow. as as the highest now. As as New York and New Jersey are starting to get a hold of their um, their cases and they're starting to level out, the the Navajo Nation is still creeping up. So this this is a heart issue of- for you. It's become a passion and a heart yeah. issue for you. Tell me how you how you decided to do what you do, and then we're going to go in deep yeah. with what you're doing. Okay, yeah. So, um, can you hear me? I is can. Okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so my internet. I, no, I'm here. People, so I needed to make sure I didn't keep talking. So, um, so in mid March, as soon as the quarantine started here in Arizona, um, I, you know, my mom, my mom is Navajo and she's quarantining here at home with us. And so she started making masks for my kids just to teach them how to um, protect themselves and teach them a little bit about why, you know, they weren't going to go back to school after spring break and that type of thing. And so then we started hearing about the spread of the virus on the Navajo Nation and especially in the hometown where she grew up and where I was born, which is Tuba City. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a lot of friends and family that are still living there. And so um, we started making masks for the hospital that was um, putting out a call for masks. We were seeing calls on Facebook from doctors in the hospital that were just, you know, requesting masks made from the community. And so my mom and sister are sewers and they have a lot of fabric stored up from making native regalia, like native powwow regalia. My mom makes all of my regalia for dancing. Oh, wow. And so um, we had a supply here at home. And so we just started getting to work making masks. I don't sew, but I was able to iron and design <laughs> and pin. <laughs> and so I would, we had a little assembly line, my mom and I, and my sister had her own, her, her own quarantine. And we, um, enlisted friends and family across, you know, the, the nation in Florida and Albuquerque. Um, we had people sewing and sending masks to Tuba City to, to help this doctor. And then once we helped the doctor, we started, you know, keep making the masks and they were getting delivered to different organizations. And eventually the EMTs, so the EMTs came to the, the person that was delivering and say, and, and, then they, and they told the person that had been delivering masks for us that they didn't have any PPE, personal protective equipment, and they would like some masks. And so that kind of hit me hard when you any, the EMTs wanted our fabric masks in Tuba City. And so, and I was, yeah, so we gave them the fabric masks. And then at that point we asked, is there anything else we can do from Phoenix besides making masks and making masks is something we could do while we were in quarantine. So um, we were a little bit limited with, you know, the resources that we had from home, but we you, we could make phone calls. We could try to order things if they needed stuff. And so, um, around 
early April, that was when the EMT started asking for masks. Um, and then right after that, my friend um, Russ Dickey and his wife Erica Dickey contacted me and they they were really wanting to help, but they couldn't make masks. And so Russ and I decided to go and brave the world. And <laughs> Russ, at a Russ few is a stores. very good friend. I know him well. <laughs> and I'm not we surprised. went out to wholesale restaurant stores to see what kind of cleaning and sanitization supplies we could find, gloves, any, and, you know, anything we could find that we could send up that might help the EMTs at first. So in this day, and in so, this, in this awful age, one of the negative things we're seeing is hoarding. Where did you find the supplies? So Russ called around and found out that there was a, a Shamrock um, wholesale store that had some supplies in stock. Um, and it just varied depending on where, you know, what they had in stock that day. So, um, we showed up and we loaded a bunch of carts with stuff and then we stopped at another restaurant supply store and got what they had. Um, it was just, I mean, it's, it's been kind of hit or miss for the past several weeks, but when we see stuff, we buy it. We try not to buy it all out because we don't want to be the hoarders, but, um, we we make sure to leave some stuff behind for other people, but we try to buy as much as we can. That seems logical. But to um, help you out, you, you've organized a um, a GoFundMe page, and you're working with, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, is it the Navajo National Medical and Res- First Responder Assistance Program? Yes. Yeah, so, well, so that's that's what we called our GoFundMe page. Okay. That's, that's what we end up calling, ended up calling our little group. So it's expanded about beyond Russ and Erica and my husband and I, and now we have um, several other people involved. One of them, some of them are Stanford um, colleagues of ours that friends that live in the area. Um, and we, that, that was just the name that we came up with for our GoFundMe page. Um and so we've been we've been fundraising so that we can keep buying, you know, materials. And we've been able to create an account with like Shamrock so that this will be our first delivery actually today where the Shamrock truck will actually take our stuff to Tuba City for us nice. and drop it off, nice. which is a great accomplishment because last week we were delivering, you know, cases and cases of bleach um, on our own, like hand you know put, putting him in one truck transfer him to another truck transferring to a third truck to get him up to tuba city so <laughs> um we're really excited that today we have the shamrock truck going from the source to where it's going to be used what a great partner directly. to have yeah yeah so, so we've we've had we've listed a number of partnerships here in the valley too to help us find supplies um for example with hand sanitizer um that was really hard to come by but we saw stories that the local distilleries were making hand yes, sanitizer. So tell us about that. Yeah, so we connected with Oso Brewery and uh, or Oso Distillery and Sandhan Distillery, and so we've been using some of our GoFundMe funds to buy hand sanitizer directly from them, um, and then take it up to the Navajo Nation. Um, either we transferred into buckets or big containers, or you know we we've, we've also done like smaller spray bottles to be able to give it out to more entities but um we recently found a supplier that can sell a sanitizer that's pre-bottled which is like a lot easier and <laughs> less, less labor intensive on our side instead of hand pumping right yes yeah. like the also they give it to you in the kegs and then you have to hand pump it out but i think also now has also figured out how to how to sell it where it's already pumped but oh, nice. yeah yeah so they yeah 
it's it's been a fun fun activity trying to scout out all the supplies. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about, more about the Navajo Nation itself. Uh, to complicate issues, we're hearing a lot of stories, and and you have the truth. Uh, Water's hard. It's hard for people to wash their hands because of water, lack of, of running water. Is that true? Yeah. So um, on the Navajo Nation, about a third of the homes lack um, like running water. And so a lot of families have to go and fill up, you know, trucks, truck in their water, fill up water bottles and bring them back to their houses for themselves, for their their animals and that type of thing. And so um it's really difficult when you have this virus that people recommend, like it's recommended that you wash your hands multiple times a day, every time you think you might be exposed yeah. and you're limited in the amount of water that you can use before you have to go and obtain more water for yourself and your family. And so that's why the, the hand sanitizer is so important to get out to families and first responders and everyone that's being, um, you know, out there on the Navajo nation that might be exposed yeah. Virus. And what other uh, road uh, barriers are there? So um, so one of the main issues is that a lot of the, the families live in multi-generational housing. And so where elders will, you know, live with with their kids and their grandkids at the same time. And um, a lot of the families on the Navajo Nation are very close knit. And so extended families come over and back and forth. It's hard. It's hard to explain to people that like when you quarantine, you have to quarantine with yourselves and you can't, you can't see your other family members as often, or, you know, you're not supposed to, if you're quarantining because people are so used to being together, bringing, bringing supplies back and forth to each other, helping each other out. Um, um, And likewise, if, um, if somebody in the family does become infected with COVID-19, it's a lot more difficult to self-isolate mm. if um, if you're living in kind of like a like a communal type family situation. Sure. And just distancing uh, is, is difficult. Yeah, you can't yeah. distance yourself. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's just not not part of the culture to live like that either. And so everyone wants to take care of everyone else. And so it's it's really hard to put up these barriers um, among among family members when it's not you know not in in the social culture that way um, so so yeah so so the spread of the virus is more difficult when you have you might have somebody leaving the house regularly and coming back you know and maybe it maybe your grandparents are a little bit more exposed that way mm. so uh, so we have and, and isn't the Navajo nation the largest in the United States? Yeah, so the Navajo Nation is about twenty-seven thousand square miles, mm. and it the land area is larger than the state of West Virginia. Wow, and, <laughs> and it overlaps four states. Yes, yeah. And yeah, it's Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah. So it's um, it's it's vast, and a lot of the lands are very rural. I mean, there's a few cities, but in in city terminology, they would be smaller, you know, smaller communities, hmm. or compared to the rest of Arizona. So you um, have you have an opportunity here. the The audience uh, listening to Rescuers Radio Show, uh, if they want to contribute, what do they do? How do they so, do this? Um, 
So there's a number of ways. I mean, if they want to contribute to what we're doing, which is um, we are trying to help the the first frontline workers, first responders, medical workers, um, clinics, hospitals, anyone that's taking care of like a senior or an elderly population or um, volunteers delivering food boxes to elders in rural communities, that type of thing. So we're trying to provide PPE and cleaning supplies to those workers so that they can keep themselves safe because the there's not a lot of people to fill those roles if yeah. they get sick. So they they are very like critical to the community. <laughs> Ginger, we're um, coming to the tail end of the program, but but uh, this is critical information. And uh, and did you give a website or a Facebook? page or they can go so they can give us you know um donations on our um website or our gofundme which is navajo nation medical and first responder assistance and then we're also we also have a facebook group that they can join and see our updates also navajo nation medical and first responder assistance they can google that on facebook or or find us that way but we can Uh, also take any kind donations as well i have Um, a 30 second question for you before we leave the program uh, as we all know, COVID-19 is creating stories for each one of us. What will your story be? Well, I just want to know that I um, did as much as I could to help people in need, especially people that are from um, my homeland and where I was born. Fantastic. Gen- Ginger, this has been awesome. Uh, Ginger Sykes-Torres and... Uh, You are a rescuer, changing lives and saving lives. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ginger. Thank you. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Sponsored by RC Auto, where it's not just an exchange of keys, it's a relationship.